Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. We are at episode 84, Allowing Your Traumatic Thoughts. So I did a post last week on Instagram talking about the HBO, uh, I was about to say the HBO Netflix documentary. No, the HBO series, it's a documentary series called The Vow. It's a very fascinating documentary about a cult known as Nexium. Some people would argue that it's not a cult, but the way that it was presented in this documentary, I would go along with calling it a cult. And it really resonated with me and triggered me on multiple levels because the principles that this group was teaching were very similar to principles that I teach and that I practice for myself. Just about how our lives are a result of our limiting beliefs. So if you guys have been listening to me for a long time, that's my whole approach. Shift your mind and you will shift your life. And so it was triggering to me because they also recruited a bunch of actors, actresses, and I was an actress for many, many years. And I just watched this documentary and I'm like, would I have gotten sucked into this? And because I love self-help and if I saw other actresses, especially successful actresses doing this program, would I, would I have gotten sucked into that? But I kind of think I wouldn't just for those of you who've watched it, I've been talking about this with people who've watched it. I kind of got a creepy vibe right off the bat when they were talking about that first week program. But again, the way they're presenting it, maybe we already know that there's like a, a dark ending. But even the videos with the proctor lady looked very creepy and weird. So anyway, I wanted to talk about it because I was sharing on Instagram. And if you don't follow me already, follow me at Claire the Heartbreak Coach. I'm also in the thick of building my course, Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. I say him because of my own experience as a heterosexual woman who's moved through a ton of heartbreak and has now found the love of her life. And I've been coaching for five years, but really solely coaching on heartbreak, dating, and relationship for three years. So I do consider myself an expert, if not the expert on all things heartbreak and finding love. I've been coaching one-on-one and a lot of you listening have said, you know, that's just too expensive for me. And so I have just been studying the heartbroken brain, studying the single brain, using my own personal experience and all the trials and errors of my clients and myself and all of the coaching that I've been doing with my coaches to create this unbelievable masterpiece, if you will. Yes, I call it a masterpiece. There's going to be almost 60 videos, but I don't want the 60 videos to entice you guys to buy the course, or maybe it deters you from buying the course, but you're, you're going for three results here. Stopping wanting Mr. Wrong back, falling in love with you, a crucial section 
before you get to the section of finding someone better. And let me tell you something, the clients who have not had as much success working with me, and when I say don't have as much success, I don't see finding someone better to equate success. If you are totally healed and clear on your past, and if you are like so happy in who you are and so clear about who you are and are in deep belief about finding your person, if you walk away without finding your person from our six months together or our year together... I think our work is still done because now you know how to do it. You know that your thoughts create your results. And, you know, I'm in a mastermind with my coach, Stacey Bayman. It's called 200K. This is the fourth mastermind. And in the first mastermind, I made a certain amount of money. Then the second mastermind, it was more money. The third, more money. The fourth, more money, right? Because I keep going back and working the tools over and over and over and over and over again. And I fall on my, on my face and I, you know, find it to be really hard and I struggle and then I self coach and then I get coached and I use her teachings and I keep showing up over and over and over again because I know it's my thinking that creates my results, not the coaching. The coaching doesn't create results. The thinking that I learn to do to get me into alignment with my results is what creates the results. So we don't just sign up for coaching. And I I just uh, read this the other day. Somehow I had a Google search with life coach in it. And one of the questions was, is life coaching a scam? And the answer said something to the effect of, you know, the saddest thing about life coaching is when people think that they're going to invest a ton of money and that that's going to be the solution, that they don't show up to do the work. So this course requires you to do a lot of work. And, you know, there's almost 60 videos because I'm teaching you how to create three results, stopping wanting him back, falling in love with you and finding someone better. So I'm putting in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears because I just, I get up every morning at around 5.30 to write, 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 because I coach all day. And then I'm writing again at night, doing this podcast. It's crazy bananas right now. I'm not going to lie. My brain has a lot of resistance. I'm very tired, but I just keep thinking about my 30-year-old heartbroken self. Go to episode five, my heartbreak story. If you have not heard my story already about being with a narcissistic sociopath and how I recovered from that and how I got to here being a heartbreak coach. I mean, really at the end of the day, I thank this teacher. I don't forgive him. I talk about forgiveness in this course. I personally do not forgive him, but for sure that relationship had to happen because of my own relationship with myself. And it catapulted me onto this soul searching journey that led me to here running this insanely thriving business, doing something I never could have imagined I was would do as a little girl. Nobody says, mom, dad, I think I really want to be a heartbreak coach after I get my heart broken, you know, a handful of times for me to really understand what my role is, what my lesson is, and figure out a way to teach others how to move through it. I remember my first heartbreak before my rock bottom ex, I was 28 years old. He's a a dear friend now. And I just remember this pain that I felt 
that was just inexplicable to me. I couldn't, I could not put it into words. It was this excruciating pain that was overwhelming that made me want to stay in bed. I remember one Christmas, I couldn't even take myself, not that I'm a practicing Catholic now, but my family, I was raised in an Irish Catholic family. And I just remember like, I can't even get up to go to church. And it was just so weird to physically feel like crippled over with the pain. I had never felt that before. And it was just, I was lost. I was stuck. I was searching and just so overwhelmed with the pain and did not know what to do with it. And it just makes me so happy and so compelled despite my exhaustion and my brain feeling overwhelmed. Actually, your brain can't feel overwhelmed. Your brain thinks it's overwhelmed and so it feels tired and all the things, but it's like, I'm just going to get it done. It's non-negotiable. I have one more weekend of shooting. I've shot for, it will be a total of nine days of shooting. And then there will be edits and I'm getting, you know, printouts for you guys uploaded onto this course. And it's going to be fucking amazing. Okay. So subscribe to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. Follow me at clairetheheartbreakcoach on Instagram, where I'm always just sharing new gems and ahas of my own and from my clients, just so that you guys make sure that you are not missing this very affordable course. It is a no-brainer in my brain, and the content just speaks for itself. You're going to have so many transformations, and I'm just so proud of it, and I'm so grateful to all of my clients who have been just the most amazing examples of the work working. And I could not have done it without them. So I know my clients religiously listen to my podcast. So shout out to all of you. Okay. Allowing your traumatic thoughts. So I don't want to give away the whole documentary series, but um, The Vow, HBO, I watched it on Hulu and I'm still in the middle of watching it. But something that really struck me was how one of the victims has said, you know, your mind can heal the trauma, but the body never forgets. Your mind can heal the trauma, but your body never forgets. So I've mentioned this a couple of times on this podcast. I was in court a couple of years ago. I did not take him to court, but my narcissistic abusive ex was being taken to court by the other woman who was dating him simultaneously, unbeknownst to us. And I was potentially going to be a character witness and also not just a character witness. I had proof that what she was taking him to court for was justified. And I really did no preparation before seeing him. I hadn't seen him for seven years. I flew back to New York. I was living in LA at the time. And a few of my friends were like, are you going to be okay? Like being in the same room as him. And I was like, guys, it's been seven years. What are you talking about? Of course I'll be fine. And then the morning I woke up to go, I started to feel a little nervous and I was like, oh wow, that's interesting. But I really, I wasn't like freaking out. And I shit you not, as soon as I saw him, like my body just went into panic. I was with my friend who's taking, who took him to court I was with her mom because her parents also flew in to support her because this guy is a, a a total monster in my brain. And I say that with utmost confidence, even though it's a thought and we know it's a thought that he's a monster, right? Because some of you are listening being like, my ex is a monster too. He showed up with his wife. 
You know, she thinks he shits gold. She thinks we're the crazy bitches, right? He has a team of people. He has a group of friends who he turned on this woman who's now my dear friend. Um, Narcissistic sociopaths, they tend to be leaders of groups. They tend to hold a position of power. And people, like, for lack of better words, worship, follow this person. This person is in a, we were all actors. So there was like a theater group and he has some accomplishments under his belt. So people need him. People think that they need him. And they were happy to just turn on my beautiful friend who's nothing but like the hugest heart. I fell for it too. When I was suspicious of her dating him, he was like, no, she's this pathetic, sad person. He did a really good job of making her this pathetic, sad person that he just felt bad for. And he told her I was just this like psycho who potentially was going to hurt myself. And so he was like worried for my mental health, which is why he stayed friends with me because she was suspicious of me too. And so it was very convenient for me to just believe his story about what a pathetic, sad, needy person she is. And so I think he did a fine job of explaining that to everybody else. And she's just obsessed with him and he feels bad. I mean, it's sick. It's sick. And so as soon as I saw him, I was standing with her mother and like I lost my breath and my body went weak as soon as my eyes were laid on him. It was so strange to me because again, seven years living in LA, my best life. I know he's fucking married with a kid. I don't know if he had a kid at that point. Like next, he's totally blocked. All the people associated with him that were my mutual friends. Actually, they weren't even all fully blocked. I think, oh no, they were because- People who I thought were my friends wrote affidavits against this woman. I'm not going to say her name yet. I think I have said her name before, but she's going to come on the podcast sooner than later, which is so amazing and so brave of her because, you know, again, all of these are thoughts, but I think she got it way worse than I did. And so she was just more enmeshed in, in his life because they worked together and there are other aspects of the story that I'm going to let her share. I I really, yeah, I had cut out all of the mutual friends because when I saw that they wrote these horrifying affidavits against her that I knew were false, just based on his own manipulation, my narcissistic abusive ex ex's manipulation, I I really had cut them all out. I I was really I really thought I was removed. And I'm not saying this for any of you right now who are like, oh my God, well, that was seven years out and she saw him and she had this like physical reaction. That's so bad. That's so bad. That's so bad. I don't see it as bad. I saw it as a very uncomfortable day. I ended up probably being in the room with him for, I mean, there were a lot of other people there to support my friend and he was there with his wife and lawyer and we were sitting in in the courtroom. I want to say for something like four hours, I could be wrong, but I was so uncomfortable. I was sitting next to my friend's now husband, even though they're all claiming she's obsessed. All the, His whole camp is, is complaining about how obsessed she is with him. She's sitting there with her fiance at the time, who's so amazing. And we just sat there and we were just like, I was just squeezing his hand the entire time. My body was in so much panic. And every time I saw, I'm going to call him a motherfucker. Every time I saw him nodding his head, like shaking his head no at truths that were being explained about him. Like he denied that he was in a romantic relationship with her. He denied that they were living together. He was just shaking his head no that we know was the fucking truth. 
I just, even now as I'm explaining it, because I really don't like to take myself to that day too often, but I want to for you guys to understand, yes, I'm a heartbreak coach. Yes, I consider myself this expert. Yes, I've been studying the heartbroken brain and the single woman's brain for three years. And I'm so excited to get this labor of love of my course, stop wanting it back and find someone better. And yes, I am like beyond madly in love with a partner who just is like, you know, I, I, I want to do a separate episode on codependency because I really, I really think, you know, I can talk about my psycho ex through and through, but I was definitely codependent with him and I was codependent in other relationships. And I did so much work to become this independent woman. And now it's like an adjustment to just rely on my partner to just say, I just want to wrap up in you. And like, that's my escape. I don't have to meditate to just like be with my loneliness feelings if I don't want to. And sometimes I do that. I can feel lonely in my partnership, but it's just so nice to just rely on someone and, and receive someone's love at the level that he gives to me. Yes. I have all of these results and I'm sharing this, you not to discourage you, but to encourage you that whatever trauma you're experiencing, whatever triggers that you have, I think are still normal. And I also think because narcissistic sociopaths are so fucking amazing at gaslighting you to believe like you're making it all up and you're the crazy one. And that's what he did to me for so long. It also like for me really like showed me how his abuse was real. Now, I know abuse is a heavy weighted word and I really try to encourage all of you listening, all of my clients, if you are in it with someone who's an emotional abuser, physical abuser, sexual abuser, whatever it is, right? Using the word abuse, abuse, abuse over and over and over again is really not helping you. I I get into this with my clients and on my course about like the weight of your words. But to me, you know, nine years out, I can be like, it was a, it was abuse. And and I'm not, I want to be very clear here. I'm not diminishing that it isn't abuse. I just think abuse is such a heavily weighted word. And when we keep saying he's abusing me, he's abusing me, that was abuse, abuse, abuse. How does that thought make you feel? And yes, it could be a true thought, right? Abuse is real. I talk about this in the course about like, what do I mean when I say how to let go of your victim story? I believe I was a victim of emotional abuse. I'm sure many of you listening are also victims of emotional abuse, but um, getting really savvy with how how you're using your language depending on where you are at in your healing. Um, same with narcissistic sociopath. Oh my God, he was a narcissistic sociopath. It's such an alarming title to give somebody. And I think if the shoe fits, like that is what it is. And I totally think that this guy is, but nine years out, I can say it rolling off my tongue and I can talk about his abuse without feeling triggered or traumatized in my body about it. But I'm not going to lie. As I just like flash back to that day in court, my body just kind of gets a little angsty. My body is very sensitive because um, I've been a dancer my whole life, a yogi, a yoga teacher, a regular meditator for the last 12 years. I'm very connected to my emotions in my body. And so I'm feeling it a little bit talking about it. But I really think like when your body goes into trauma, if you end up in the same room as your abuser, regardless of how much time has passed, regardless of how much healing work you've done on yourself in that time, if you have to end up in the same room as that person or you don't have to, I chose to. I chose to be in that room 
the other woman who's my dear friend, she, you know, said, if you can't, or you don't want to, she was super respectful. And I was like, oh my God, I think my family would murder me if they found out because this guy just like really at one point destroyed my life. And again, I'm very aware that this is all thoughts and it can sound like I'm really victim-y, but at the time he really did. And I didn't have the tools, right? It, I always say it takes two, right? I didn't cause him to abuse me, but my lack of love for myself totally attracted him. And I thought, oh my God, if my family knows this, they're going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? But I told my dad who knew this guy who welcomed him into our family. And I said, you know, you're going to tell me I'm crazy. Don't tell mom. (laughs) But you know, here's this woman. He's turned all these people against her. I'm the one person from that time in that circle of people who can stand up and say, no, this is bullshit. And I have emails and proof and evidence to show that this man is a fucking liar and a horrible human and a manipulator. And we have evidence to show how this is true and that this woman is telling the truth and fighting for what she deserves and is putting her fucking foot down and saying no to this person who made very threatening, um, uh, who was just very threatening to her, blackmailed her about things. I mean, really fucking bad, really fucking bad. And you know, it was more important to me to be there and show up for her and be another woman to say, no, you know, we talk about, you know, the the Me Too movement and it's like sexual abuse is illegal as it should be. Physical abuse is illegal as it should be. I fucking would like, I don't know, maybe I need to just get out there and start lobbying for a law on emotional abuse because it is so traumatizing. It is so damaging. It affects your mental health, physical health, emotional health. It affects how you show up in your job. If you have children, it affects how you show up for them. It it, it is so damaging and it is so hard to explain to someone who hasn't been through it because I was a former, I mean, I like to say former, but actually I'm, I'm probably still a recovering black and white thinker. And if I had seen my friends going through what I went through without having experienced it myself, I would have been like, what are you doing? Just get the fuck out. Just get out. This is crazy. Get out. He's an asshole. You deserve better. Get out. I would be in judgment of her for staying. I would like not get it. So that's why I am so compelled to do what I do as well, because it's just, it's not, it's not as simple as it seems for the woman. And I say woman again, because of my own experience, but I know that there are narcissistic, abusive women out there as well. But I think as horrible as it was, and I had a major panic attack when I left the courtroom that day, just over two years ago in New York City. And I came out onto the street. It was August of 2018. And I just heave, sob, cried, went into panic, called my bestie Heather and just like sobbed on the street in New York in the heat and just like, oh my God, just the triggers that I felt in my body being around him and watching him continue his antics seven years later was just too much for me. And again, I did not prepare I thought, whatever. And, you know, I look back and could I could I now say, oh, I should have prepared? No, it was just good information for me. 
And because I've been a yogi and a meditator and been in therapy, I was already a coach. This was just two years ago. I was already a heartbreak coach. And he is my heartbreak story. Again, episode five, my heartbreak story, my heartbreak story on my website. Like he is the reason why I have this ever evolving and expanding empire on healing hearts. My mission is to get this course out to the masses so that everybody has access to these tools, to this process that I know works, but I hate to break it to you. If you end up in the same room as someone who was your abuser, you might have the same response and it doesn't mean you are not healed. It doesn't mean the work didn't work. It just means our bodies remember. It's like, you know, when I step onto the streets in New York City, every time I get off the plane, there is a smell in New York. Some people would call it bad. (laughs) I don't. It's home to me. I grew up just 35 minutes north of the city in Westchester County. Uh, I moved there from Ireland at eight years old. So I consider New York my home state, my home city. And lived in New York all throughout my 20s into my 30s. And, you know, when I step off the plane and into New York at JFK or LaGuardia and I I breathe in that air, it's just an association. And I used to just have a lot of anxiety when I would fly back from L.A. And then I really started to mentally prepare myself in the same way that now, if I ever knew I was going to end up in a courtroom with him and I I would not be afraid to, (laughs) I would still do it. I'd be willing to let my body go into panic and re-experience the trauma to have that motherfucker pay for the things that he did and pay and to watch him have consequences for his behavior and treatment of women. I would show up for any woman who would need me to be a witness in anything for him because, um, I've got all the proof and my, my story is true. My story is real. And I know it's like my story versus his story. I don't care. I know I'm telling the truth. And I would also be the first to say, like, I lost my shit in that relationship. I was being gaslit. I was unconscious. I didn't have tools. I wasn't in therapy. I didn't even know what life coaching was. I was just beginning my yoga meditation journey, but I needed, I needed a lot more than yoga and meditation. I needed a lot more than breath, awareness, and stillness. That Yoga is a beautiful thing. It's still a huge part of my life. But it, I am 100% admitting I was unconscious, right? So I engaged in the dance. So I'm not sitting here saying, and I was just so perfect. And I just received his abuse and abuse and abuse over and over and over again. No, it does. Again, it takes two. But I would be willing to experience that panic in my body if I was in the same room as him because I know it's par for the course. Our minds can heal the trauma. Like, I totally get that song and dance we did. I totally get and accept that this was a lesson and he was a teacher in my life that had to happen for me to get to here, right? My mind is like, oh, totally get it. I totally connect all the dots. I know that experience had to happen. And I'm, and many of you who are listening are thinking, oh my gosh, I could never be grateful for that horrific experience. I, I am now far enough along in my healing journey that I truly am grateful. It had to happen. I really believe it had to happen for me to get to my partner now. My partner now is so fucking amazing. And also he would not have been interested in 29, 30-year-old Claire, who at the time was dating that narcissistic sociopathic ex. So 
I wasn't a narcissistic sociopath. I wasn't a cheater. I wasn't a liar. I wasn't a manipulator. I wasn't a backstabber. I didn't smear campaign his name to all the people around me. Like I was loyal as fuck to him, but I had my own issues and I had my own lack of love and tons of insecurity. I didn't have my shit together in my life at all. I was a bit of a mess. And so I attracted this horrific mess to shine a light, to be like, it's going to get real dark. Are you going to pick up the pieces, Claire, and start learning how to love you and heal you so that you can go live your best life and attract your ideal person? So I'm truly in a place that it had to happen. My mind is very clear about him. I am. I'm very much at peace that that whole situation unfolded and so grateful it all did. I don't like what he did. I don't approve of what he did. I don't forgive what he did. I still think he's a horrific human <laughs> and I'm fine owning it, right? Brooke Castillo talks about this. Life is 50% negative, 50% positive. I don't need to shift my thinking to like feel love for this person. I just don't. And I hope that that gives you some relief too. You don't. You really don't. The work is, can you be an acceptance of all that unfolded and grab your life by the balls and take control and show up and do the healing and the growth work? Yes, I think you can. I think that's why you're listening to this podcast. I think that's why you're going to buy the course. (laughs) But our bodies still associate our trauma when we see the person. I want to share one more very personal tidbit because beyond watching The Vow that reminded me of my narcissistic abusive ex, I recently celebrated one year with my partner. Uh, Again, for those of you who are new to this podcast, go listen to my Heartbreak Story episode five. That all unfolded at 29, 30 years old. And I am now 39. I'll be 40 in February. And just a year ago, I met truly the love of my life. And when we said, I love you for the first time, that was the first person I said, I love you to in nine years. (laughs) Again, I don't share this to discourage any of you who are like, oh my God, is it going to take me nine years? No, you don't. I didn't have this course that's about to get into all of your hands. I didn't have this podcast. I didn't, I mean, and I know I'm not the only heartbreak dating relationship coach out there, but nine years ago, I was on a soul searching journey, but there was nobody talking about heartbreak dating and relationships the way I am talking about it now. I became the person who I was searching for, which I'm aware that that might sound a little narcissistic. And here I am talking about my narcissistic abuse of exes, but really and truly, I became who I was searching for. I really believe that. And I know that there are other great thought leaders and coaches and therapists. And so find your own right fit for you. But I really believe that this approach and who I've become and what I'm offering is something that nobody else out there is offering. I'm. It, it's a belief. It's a thought. But I truly believe it's a fact. I don't know anyone else talking about how to heal, how to fall in love with you, and how to truly call your person in all in one. It's just all in one. And it's amazing. And going to be so freaking accessible. And to be clear, I dated over the last nine years before I met him. I was still, I had lots of cleaning up to do. I didn't find the right therapist until like 32, 33. So that breakup happened, you know, at 30. And I was really blindly walking around in so much pain living in New York. Finally moved to LA, found 
my dream therapist, Ashley, and, you know, did a lot of healing work there, then became a coach. And I was still pursuing acting, still had my personal assistant job. I was also starting to become a coach. I was very scattered. So yes, I was trying and I was dating and I was in therapy and I was reading the books and I was very scattered with my career, very scattered with my finances, living with roommates, rubbing dimes together. I just, I still had lots of growth work to do. I had lots of cleaning up to do and really just fully got my shit together when I went all in on my coach just two years ago. So I became a coach five years ago, became a heartbreak coach specifically three years ago, going all in on just focusing on heartbreak dating and relationships. And then two years ago, found Stacy, and truly my life changed on all the levels. And I became a, just the most up-leveled version of myself career-wise, financially, even um, healing my relationship with my body and how I saw my body and how I treated my body and how I talked to my body, how I talked about my body in the fall in love with you section in this course, there is a, a, a video called body love because so many of my clients have lots of body stuff. And that really has to do with your relationship with you and you project it onto your exes or to what men think about you, but it's really about what you think of you. And so, uh, I'm so excited about that video to get that into your hands. So I, I, that was my own personal journey. I was searching, 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 and then combined with coaching, therapy, yoga, meditation, life experience, all of it. I, created my own approach and um, really created it and implemented it before I'm getting it into your hands to see what worked. And so now I know, I know I consciously called this man into my life. Needless to say, you guys can only imagine that when I was falling in love with this man, as amazing as he was, and, and even the fact that my, I, my body knew he was different. My body knew he was different, so kind. He also has had an interesting um, past <laughs> and has had heartbreak himself. And we had that bond and innate trust, I think, which was really such a gift and really, I think, made us that much more clear about what it is that we did want because of the pain that we had experienced in past relationships. And yet, despite feeling the most loved, the most adored, the most safe, I'm able to say to him, because there have been moments where I felt insecure or questioned things, especially when we were long distance, I would, I would express to him, he's expressed some things to me early in the relationship that were triggering for him. But overall, I for sure think he's the most secure man I've ever dated. And I have had more old wounds resurface than he has. And anytime I've had those wounds resurface, he is just meeting me right there. Arms around me, eyes into my eyes, says all the right things. And not just says all the right things, like says all the right things that I know are true, that I can just express. And I think I've attracted him because I'm not like, you're doing this, right? I'm not coming from a traumatized, accusatory, attacking place. It's like, hey, like this happened. Like uh, one time I felt like he was reading his phone, but angling it away from me. And it just like triggered because that was always what happened in my abusive relationship. It was always angling the phone away. And it just always felt like he's hiding something. He's hiding something. And so I, I, you know, earlier in the relationship, I'm like, this comes up for me. I sort of feel like you're hiding something. And he just 
you know, he's like, oh my gosh, I'll just angle the phone your way. <laughs> like He just says the perfect things that are, I know are so true, but I also feel safe that I'm not like, oh, he's going to think I'm needy and I'm insecure if I like express a fear. No, I'm like, this is what's coming up for me. And those moments have been few and far between. And our connection is so deep that I have felt safe and vulnerable to do that with him. And also not make it his problem, but just like be so transparent. So like I said, we just celebrated one year together and it's just been the most incredible year. If someone told me a year ago when I was driving up to Santa Barbara for our first date, yes, I chose to drive up to Santa Barbara from LA. I wanted to get out of LA. He had suggested coming down. We had matched in Los Angeles on Bumble. And I just thought, who is this hot, fresh piece of meat? And, uh, of course he wasn't, he was a fresh piece of meat because I felt like I had swiped on every man in Los Angeles, um, because he didn't live in LA anyway. You know, if someone told me just a year ago when I was driving up that this person was going to be my person, I don't know if I I would have believed it or, or even more so that I would have ended up in Santa Barbara a year later that we would have moved that fast. Um, I always thought, oh, well, I'm going to take things very carefully and slowly because of my past, but everything just felt so freaking right for me to move here. We made that decision. We started dating end of September. We made the decision for me to move up here in February and I moved up in May and it has been incredible, but there's been moments where it's been hard. It's been challenging. I'm here by myself. I've recently shared he has children. He has four children and, you know, we're doing this very healthy, slow, getting to know them and, you know, for someone who's just always had a ton of friends like family around her, whether that's, you know, high school, college, living in New York, living in Los Angeles, and then moving for one human and living in my own space 50% of the time. Yes, I'm so independent. My business is very time consuming, especially with this course. I have plenty to do. But there are just some moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just like up here by myself for this one man. (laughs) And it can be hard and it can be lonely and it can be like, are we doing the right thing? You know, there are moments like that for sure. Um, I think it would be weird if I didn't question that. And it is scary to just go from the history that I've had in relationships or the or majority of my 30s not being in a relationship to then make this huge move for love where I don't know anyone besides him. So of course shit has come up and it's been challenging and scary and it's just a whole new life that I am pursuing for lack of better words or a whole new life that I am choosing that I never would have ever imagined. I always thought New York or LA because I'm an actress. I always thought I was going to be a mother of my own child. I always thought I was going to end up with someone who was also in the arts who would get me. I always thought I was going to be an actress no matter what. And all of that changed. And it's so amazing. And it feels so fun to say, like, I wouldn't choose anything else. I I recently like had the thought if I was just offered some starring role in, you know, a show that was so perfect for me, like if an old casting director just reached out and was just like, I know you're not really acting anymore, but I really think you should look at this script. I would say no. 
it's crazy to me because like I would have like moved to China for a part that was right for me. I mean, acting, acting, acting was the first thing. And now it's just partnership, feeling like home with a person, uh, family, health, and like just the simple things. And Santa Barbara, I mean, so gorgeous. There are worse places to move, but you know, it's small, it's quiet. I always wanted, you know, I mean, the the running joke is there's no Equinox and there's no dry bar in Santa Barbara. (laughs) Uh, Equinox, for those of you who don't have an Equinox, it's a really nice gym that both New York and LA have and many cities around the country. It's just Santa Barbara's more quaint, more small. And I just feel like I just breathe here. It's amazing. I am still like I, my breath, it it takes my breath away walking down to the beach. It's so quiet. It's so clean. There's no traffic everywhere. I want to go is maybe maximum seven minutes away versus, I mean, getting to Equinox that was a mile and a half away was a 30 minute process in LA. It's just crazy. It just all this life that I created with my mind. And I didn't even know it was going to look exactly like this. It's like nothing like what I thought it was. It's everything that I want. It It's amazing. And so we sell, I'm, I'm dragging this out, but my point is like, I couldn't feel more loved. This life couldn't be more perfect for me. And yet so far from what I thought I wanted it to be, And we celebrated a year and it was just amazing. And the things that he says to me and the way that he loves me, at times I'm just like, oh my God, it's so overwhelming. Like, who are you? Where did you come from? And he's not even a self-help guy. And he's just so emotionally available and expressive and loving and kind and caring and fun. And in my opinion, just the dreamiest person on the inside and out. And so we had our weekend and our official anniversary was on a Monday and I had left this card that I got for him at home and I wanted to bring it to his house. And I just assumed he was working, but then I realized, oh, wait, I think as I was driving there, I think he isn't working today or he isn't working at the office. And so as I was driving, I had the thought, oh my God, this is the first time I'm showing up to his house unannounced. And I pulled onto a street, all of his cars were there and I'm like, oh my God. And I had the thought, what if like he just had a woman at the house? And it was just this like sinking feeling. This man has given me zero reason to believe he would ever go astray in my body. I trust him in every fiber of my being, but this was an old traumatic thought. And I just immediately was like, Claire, you're ridiculous. You're crazy. But I, I like, as I approached his door, his front door, I just thought, oh my God, there could be something happening. There could be something happening that he would not want me to see. And I just knocked on the door, babe, walked in with my card and he's just sitting there unshowered. He's got work spread all over his table and his computer. And he's just like, hey. And I was like, hi. Um, I just wanted to bring your card for your our anniversary. And he just hugged me and he was like, this is such a nice surprise. And I just started to cry. There was obviously crying of relief, but I cried because I was so upset that I still have these thoughts. And then I felt guilty that I would ever think that he would do something like that. And so he was like, what is going on? And I told him. 
And that's the beauty of your up-leveled relationship, being so vulnerable. And I think the other woman in my rock bottom ex's relationship at the time, this triangle we were in unbeknownst to us, she's now married. And I think she would be comfortable because I know she's going to come on here saying that like the same shit came up with her now husband. And she said, Claire, sometimes it still comes up. Sometimes I'm just like so you know, it's so hard for me to wrap my brain about being so unconditionally loved by such an amazing man. And her husband is such an amazing man. And to be able to say like, oh my God, this was the thought that I had. This is the first time I've ever shown up at your house unannounced. And as I was coming here, I just like, my brain just went to this horrible place and I got this sinking feeling and I was just so panicky approaching your door. And he just held me and told me he loved me and said, you are welcome at this house any time. And I want to just offer that to you guys to know that like this work isn't about never thinking a fearful thought or a panicky thought because of the trauma you experienced, no matter how much work you did or how long it's been. And no matter how amazing the new person in your life has been, but the work is watching it, acknowledging it, feeling it, sharing it with your partner, because the right partner isn't going to be like, I can't believe you would fucking think that. No, the right partner is going to do exactly what my partner did. Hold me and just remind me how loved I am and that that would never happen. And I can show up anytime I want. And I didn't share it with him for him to say those things. I shared it with him because I want to be as real and as transparent and as connected and as close to him as possible. And he knows that if he was to have a similar thought or a similar fear because of his own past, I would hold that safe space for him as well and not take it personally because I want to know everything that's going on in his head and in his heart. I want to know about every trigger. He and I have had a couple of nightmares recently. I actually had another nightmare where just this past week where I thought he told he like I realized that we were in an open relationship but like I wasn't he was just dating multiple people and wanted to keep me around as well and I was horrified and I was screaming at him and yeah so somewhere in my subconscious there's still this anticipation of the other shoe dropping and I also think too because it was the first time I was showing up at his house unannounced in the year because he has kids and he has a very structured schedule with them and so every time he's not with the kids I'm with him and so it just there every our lives are very very scheduled that there's just never been a reason for me to show up unannounced in the whole year that we've been dating and so I think also just know when new things happen in the relationship and you realize even silly little small things like, oh, I've never shown up here unannounced, right, can trigger a really big thing and to allow it to come up and to love yourself for it. And yes, you know, my brain went to thoughts that made me feel guilty because he's so amazing and I shouldn't be thinking that, right? And it's like, no, this isn't about him. This is about me. This is about the trauma that I experienced And my brain produced that thought. And even though that thought was a very panicky, fearful, painful thought, the fact that I produced that thought is neutral. The fact that I produced that thought is neutral. I talk about this in the course about body love. Like your brain is just going to have thoughts like, oh my God, I'm fat, right? Even though you're totally not. 
but that's the story that you've been telling yourself. And so I have really killed that story, the I'm fat story, but I still have some obsessive old thoughts that are fewer and far between, but it's neutral that my brain produces them. I think what happens is we get on this healing path and then we think something's wrong if we think a negative, panicky old thought that we thought we got rid of. I've also shared how the first time, uh, one of the first times my partner left my apartment in LA, I just heaved, sobbed, cried. I share that um, on that recent post about the vow last week on Instagram. I heaved, sobbed, cried when he left after the most amazing night. But when he got in his car, I was just like, oh my God, how could it po- be possible that like he's as real as he is and he's as into me as he is? Like I had this old, like very deep, attached thought about me not being enough for him. And he did nothing. Like he, I felt like that time when he left, we had just like gotten that much closer, but my brain had still for so many years, either stayed alone and safe or was in relationships that were unsafe. So to be with this man who I was so insanely into on all the levels he had said to me, you know, he said to me when he left, like, I'm not going to let you go. And he didn't even say it out of reassurance. He was just like, I'm just letting you know, like, I'm not letting you go. And I was like, oh my God, just melt. Like, sign me up for all of you forever right now. (laughs) And when he left, I just heave, sob, cried to my coach because there was just a part of me that couldn't buy that, like this real love and connection was happening. And so we allow it, we let it come up. You know, I remember my coach saying to me at the time, well, how is it true that you are enough? Why do you think he is into you? And I was like, I can't even go there yet. I'm just, I've got to just like let this story come up and I've got to cry it out before I even try to shift it. And I think that that's a big misconception in in this coaching work and in this thought work is like, oh, I'm thinking a negative thought, got to transform it because I don't want to yield me any negative results right? Or, oh, if I'm thinking he's going to leave, he's going to leave. Oh, I get into all of this in the course. That's not true. Yes, your thoughts create your results, but we're still humans. We still have panicky thoughts. We still have fearful thoughts. We still have self-sabotaging thoughts, and it's how we move through them. We don't do this work to prevent the thoughts from happening. Are the thoughts fewer and far between when you commit to this healing work? Yes, absolutely. That's why it just like totally threw me when I had the thought, oh my God, he might have another woman at the house, right? It was just so out there. We had just had this magical weekend celebrating a year. We're just, I mean, you guys would want to vomit being a fly on the wall. We just like are googly goggly with each other all day, every day, whenever we're together, we're just so crazy about each other. And that thought still popped into my head, not because of him, because of my old trauma. And because I've been in situations where I've unexpectedly shown up and shit isn't right in my relationships. So be kind to yourself, be patient with yourself, keep showing up for the work. And when those thoughts come up, allow them to come up, breathe through them. And hopefully you're in a new partnership that, you know, you can feel safe to say it. And if you're not, just know you can be. I remember this woman, her name is Victoria. I don't know why I keep saying this woman. She's coming on the show. Victoria is the name of the other woman who was simultaneously dating our narcissistic abusive ex. And she met the love of her life, her now husband, before I met my man. And 
she, I just remember like being like, oh, wow, if she can be in a partnership where she can still express. And this, her husband like is showing up in spades for her at court and just really in it, like fighting for her rights. And I was like, these men do exist. These men exist who want to love you despite your past, who want to, you know, be there for you and support your healing and your growth and not just be your romantic partner for just all fun and, and sex and passion and giggles. They want to be there for you for the, throughout the hard as well. They want to be there for all of you. Your ideal person, when you think about, and this is what I teach in the course, your thoughts creating the result of being in your ideal partnership. We get into who that man is or who that woman is the thoughts that you would think to attract that person, right? And who they are and what you would think and feel with them here. They're emotionally available. They love all of you. They want to be there for you for all of it. Not to fix you, not to save you, but to support you and to love you. And chances of you attracting that person is when you are supporting you and you are loving you and you are allowing your traumatic thoughts to surface to the brain and resurface to the brain and to learn how to move through that. And there's many different ways and you've got to figure out how you want to move through that moment to moment, which I offer you again in the course, how to stop wanting him back and find someone better. So subscribe to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. Make sure you are on my mailing list so you don't miss the official launch date and get this into your hands. Finish out this crazy year strong. We have no control about what's happening in this crazy world around us, but we do have control about how we want to show up. And love, regardless, is totally possible for you and in the cards for you, regardless of what's happening. So don't let the outside circumstance, and I say this very cautiously because I know so many of you are related to people who are struggling in their health and who are just, I mean, I there's so much going on in this country, in the US, where I am recording this podcast and so much going on in the world. But of course, if you've lost a loved one to COVID, my heart goes out to you. And if you are suffering from it, or if you have a loved one who's suffering from it, um, by no means am I saying, oh, don't just let, don't let those events affect you. Of course, they're going to affect you. But what I mean by that is if you are someone right now who's just in it and single and looking for love and struggling to find love or struggling to heal on a past love and you are isolated because of the pandemic. And let's say you haven't experienced loss in this pandemic. You're so fortunate. Um, Or if you're going through anything else, right? A job loss or a family member who's sick that doesn't have COVID, but you're going through other things. Of course, I hope that you are consciously moving through that and getting the proper help you need to process any pain that you are moving through. And for those of you who are listening to this podcast, who are healing your hearts and looking to find love, just know, again, it's moment to moment and that every thought you have is human and natural and normal, but know that you know, one of the videos that I have in this course is called, it's not in the cards for me to find love. And that's just total bullshit. That's just a belief that needs to be diffused. You are not some special snowflake that like God or the universe or whatever higher power or um, science did to put you here, whatever you believe, right? You weren't put on this earth to not have it. 
you were put on this earth to have whatever you want and you can have whatever you want with your mind. And if it is love, if it is healing, then you've come to the right place. So again, clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. And there's information at the end of this episode to still work with me one-on-one. I have a couple of spots left and I will be coaching one-on-one way less into the new year. So if this one-on-one coaching is something that you think you really do want to explore, definitely apply at clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. Love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me be vulnerable and honest and transparent and clear with you about my past, about my present. It's so healing for me. It's such a gift for me. And I love that it helps you guys know that you are not alone. You are not crazy. You are amazing. You are perfect. You are showing up and it can only get better when you do. So much love, my loves. Until next time. Bye. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after.